Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The portion of God's Word that is the focus of our attention today is the epistle reading for today from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, the fifth chapter beginning at verse 1. Please rise as we hear these words. Now concerning the times and seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. This is God's word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, these are your words. Sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. You may be seated. If there were a very important, world-changing, life-changing event on the horizon, would you want to know about it? Some such events maybe are a little well-known. If there is a celebrity, a dignitary coming to town, or maybe the, the opportunity to, to spot a celebrity at a local venue, or something so mundane, if you will, as the arrival of a child by birth or adoption. What about, though, what about the day of your death? Would you want to know precisely when the Lord was going to come and take you home with him? There might be some advantages to that, to knowing ahead of time. You can make sure all your affairs were in order. You can make sure to say goodbye to everybody you wanted to say goodbye to. But it seems like the disadvantages of knowing that might outweigh the advantages. According to a poll by the American Psychological Association, 99% of people don't want to know when the day of their death is going to come. 1%, only 1% want to know. It seems that most people want to remain in the dark when it comes to knowing the time of your death. So, what about knowing precisely when the Lord is going to return? Would you want to know that? Now, over the centuries, maybe even uh, especially over the past few centuries, there have been many people who have tried to calculate the precise date of the Lord's return. Obviously, those calculations have been off. Otherwise, we wouldn't be sitting here today. And I'm still trying to figure out why it is they keep trying to figure that out. 
But think about that particular life-changing event. Now, last Sunday, we talked about being prepared for our Lord's return. Today, we're going to talk more about not being prepared, but the very fact of our Lord's return. He is definitely going to return. Now, the pictures that Paul paints in this passage are pretty powerful. Dark, light, night, day, drunk, sober, asleep, awake. What's behind all of these pictures? The first thing that Paul clarifies is that you can't know that your Savior Jesus is coming if you're in the dark. Now, if if you're in the dark, you obviously can't see what's going on around you or can't see where you're going. Think about if you get up in the middle of the night and you need to do something, go to the restroom, get the crying baby, whatever it is, don't you kind of stumble along just a little cautiously because you're trying not to stub your toe or to run into a door or a wall so you don't wake everybody up? Think about being in a place, though, that is totally dark. Even when you get up at night in your house, there's a little bit of light that you can see by. But have you ever been a place in a place that is totally dark? Years ago, I was with a group that uh, was exploring a cave. Now, this cave was not a commercialized cave with nice handrails and lights everywhere. This was a cave into which you just went and you explored. And at one point, all of us turned our flashlights off. And the darkness that enveloped us was so deep, you literally could not see your hand in front of your face. And if you're in the dark, spiritually, that's the darkness that you're in. You cannot see where you're going, much less seeing where you need to go. Paul also uses the picture of being asleep to describe the spiritual condition of some people. When you're asleep, you're really not aware of of what's going on around you. Granted, there are people that that might wake up at the slightest little noise or if the bed gets jostled, other people can sleep through an earthquake. It doesn't matter what happens. But generally, people who are asleep have no clue of, of their surroundings. And being drunk? Well, even if you've never been drunk, you know what happens to someone's awareness in that state. It's impaired. Your brain has been slowed down so much that you're just not able to to see or to know exactly what's going on around you. Now, Paul uses all these pictures to talk about unbelievers. Someone who does not believe in Jesus as their Savior has no way of knowing or understanding what's going on around them in a spiritual sense. They see all the signs, like we talked about last week, all the signs of the impending end, the wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, etc. But they don't have the capability of understanding what those signs mean. They don't get that these things point to the return of the Lord of the universe. And so his return is going to be just as much a surprise to them as it would be to have a thief break into your house in the middle of the night. Again, Paul uses these these pictures to talk about unbelievers. Are we guilty of behaving like unbelievers at times? When we sin, what happens? 
Well, we're actually turning our back on God. And if we continue in that sin, we're not headed toward the light any longer. We're, we're actually going down a different path, a path that is headed for the darkness. And what that, what might that sin be? Well, it could be any sin, but let's think about maybe a sin that's a little more specific to this text. Consider how an unbeliever remains an unbeliever. They have no regard for God's word. Perhaps they've never heard it. Perhaps they've heard it and paid no attention to it. Perhaps they've heard it and just flat out rejected it. Now, you don't fall into that last category because you are believers. But what about not paying that much attention to God's word? Are we always as diligent in studying God's word, as diligent as we as we should be? I can't tell you how much you need to study and meditate on God's word. I can't tell you how often you need to be here in church, how many times per year or per month. I can't tell you that you need to come to Bible study here in church. But consider your own individual path. Do you think you're headed for the light or more for the darkness? Is God's word a light for your feet and a lamp for your path? As the psalmist says, the closer someone is to the dark, the less likely that they're going to know that our Savior Jesus is definitely coming again. And if you're in the dark, if you're an unbeliever, when Jesus comes back, well, then only destruction awaits you. Paul says sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Being in the dark brings death, eternal death. When Paul wrote this letter to the Christians at Thessalonica, he was writing to people who were in the light. When you're in the light, you definitely know that your Savior Jesus is coming again. Now, how did you come to be in the light? Well, this was no accident. It didn't just happen That you believe in Jesus as your Savior. Listen again to what Paul says. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? God destined. We could say he predestined you to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. That means that in eternity before time began, God chose you. Before you were born before you were conceived, before your parents even thought about you, before anyone thought about you, God did. And he didn't just think about you, knowing that you would be born and eventually would become a believer. No, God chose you. He handpicked you to be one of his children. And God made that choice of you known in time when he created faith in your heart. Now, how did he do this? Well, think about what I said earlier about people who are in the dark and how they got there through through ignorance or through rejection of God's word. Now, if that's the case, well, then how do you get into the light? It has to be through God's word. That word may have come to you when you were baptized as a baby. In those precious waters, 
connected to God's word, God came to you and, and he created faith in you. He created trust in Jesus in you. Or maybe you weren't baptized as a baby and somebody sometime in your life shared God's word with you and God used that word to create faith in you. Either way, he brought you into his light through his word. That's what happened in the case of the Thessalonians. Paul was only with them probably just a few weeks. And in that short span, he not only was able to tell them about Jesus, to proclaim Jesus to them, he also told them that he was going to come again to bring them to be with him in heaven. That's why Paul began these verses by saying, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come. And that's the same thing that we know, that our Savior Jesus is coming. Note another important point that Paul says about Jesus, that he is the one who died for you. That, you see, is what brought the Thessalonians into the light. That's what brings us into the light, the fact that Jesus suffered and died for us. Now, we say that and we hear that so often, that Jesus died for us, that that maybe it starts to become almost a trite expression. But do you realize what that means? Jesus died for you. You were supposed to die. Because of your sins, because you were born a sinner, and because you sin every day, you were supposed to die. But Jesus died instead of you. He died to take your sins away. He died so you wouldn't have to. He died so that you could live. He died so that when he comes again, he is going to take you to be with him in heaven. Is that great news or what? It's such great news that Paul says at the end of this passage, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Now it's not hard to figure out how Paul wanted the Thessalonians to to encourage one another. Think about how they got to be in the light in the first place. If, If they came into the light through God's word, well then they're going to use that same word to build each other up, to encourage one another. Now, this doesn't mean, of course, that you have to be constantly speaking God's word to your fellow Christians to encourage them. Sometimes your very presence is an encouragement. Think about being here in church together. Part of the encouragement is not just coming from God's word, but but it's also being here together, receiving that encouragement, that forgiveness from God himself. Sometimes being just being with someone is an encouragement to that person. And when you're there, why are you there with that person, just being with them? Really, you're there because of God's word. You are sharing with them the love that you have come to know through God's word. You're sharing that with them in a time of trial or crisis, or even in a time of joy and celebration. So it doesn't matter who someone is. It doesn't matter if they're a relative, a friend, someone you just met. We want every person to be in the light with us. We want them to be fully aware that Jesus is coming back, not just for the sake of knowing, 
Knowing that Jesus is coming back is one thing. But we're concerned about their eternal destiny. We want them to know Jesus is coming back, but we also want them to look forward to Jesus coming back just as we look forward to that day. Because we know that that is why God has made us his own. So that we can be with him. And we share that love, that word of God with others. Amen.